0: Saludos oyentes. This is Chris from the Co-Film Companion Podcast. I just got a couple quick notes about this episode before we start. One thing that we failed to mention about Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia is that this is the only picture that Sam Peckinpah had final cut on, which means there was no studio interference in edits, and the film... That came to be is exactly what Sam Peckinpah had in mind. So that's an important note that we did not mention. This was a, also the most personal film of Sam Peckinpah's career. And it allowed him to exercise the demons of the anger that he had with the Hollywood system. So again, it's very important to note that this was the only film that he ever did to have final cut so this is the most authentic vision of a movie from sam peckinpah in his entire career it's also worth noting that this movie was banned in sweden germany and argentina also we meant no disrespect or harm to come on the unrelated actor to the movie andy garcia but you'll find out about that later in the episode so without further ado let's cue the theme music and get this episode started hi there i want to talk to you about duck no you're okay this one real fucking okay this is not now this is bowling there are rules
1: hey walter come on you're from the neighborhood you're right it's your name neighbor well that's not entirely true i came to see you but where are the paperweights? that's what i want to see just torture and murder. No plot, of no characters. Very, very realistic. I think it's
2: what's next. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learn about Cuba. A toast to toast, my friends, to our health and cheer and happiness. Otto, let the ritual begin.
1: Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast. The home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris. I am your host. Joined as ever by my co-host Andrew. Good evening, sir. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you very much, sir.
1: And this week, we've got a doozy. Quite possibly the best titled film ever. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Directed by Sam Peckinpah, a.k.a. Bloody Sam, or Sam the Man Peckinpah best known for his uh, western films such as The Wild Bunch. This movie was directed by Peckinpah, with a screenplay by Gordon Dawson and Peckinpah, story by Frank Kowalski and Peckinpah, produced by Martin Baum, cinematography done by Alex Phillips Jr. or Phillips. Edited by Garth, Craven Roby, Robert Sergio Ortega, and Dennis E. Dolan. Music was done by Jerry Fielding. This movie was produced with a budget of $1.5 million and only grossed about 700000 <sighs> The movie was filmed in Mexico in 1973 and was released on August 7th, 1974. The film stars Warren Oates as Benny, a piano player turned Bounty Hunter-esque character throughout the movie. Zella Vega portrays Elita, his love interest in the movie. Emilio Fernandez uh, portrays El Jefe, which in Spanish means the boss. The not Mexican crime lord. <laughs> we'll get into why he's definitely not Mexican in the podcast. Robert Weber portrays Sapin Sapens Sap oh uh, I don't even know how to <laughs>
2: Sapensley?
1: Sapensley? Yeah, yeah, we'll go with Sapensley. Yeah. Gig Young portrays the easier to pronounce Johnny quill who uh these two are an ambiguously gay hitman couple that work for el Jefe.
2: perhaps gay ambiguously gay
1: ambiguous I I said ambiguously gay okay I'm, um yes it's not uh it's not explicit or
2: uh we'll get into it
1: yeah we'll get into it the film. Oh, how do we do the plot for this movie? Um,
2: it's pretty pretty straightforward. You're right.
1: It yeah. is. It's uh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia is <laughs> pretty much the plot of the movie. El Jefe, uh, wants the head of Alfredo Garcia because he has impregnated his daughter. We're not told why he is so upset with Alfredo Garcia. It's not really t- told why he's so furious at this individual.
2: Well, I think, I, I think the only reason is because he impregnated his daughter. So he
1: doesn't need more. He doesn't, I think that's it. I think that, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. So. Although he ends up having very
2: tender feelings towards the, the baby when the baby's born. True. Yeah. It's not like he wants to kill the baby or have it, you know, sent away.
1: No. So he offers a bounty on uh, the head of Alfredo Garcia. And uh, Benny, Warren Oates' character, takes this as his opportunity to kind of get out being the uh, nightclub pianist not even a nightclub, a dingy bar in Mexico pianist. It's a riot. Um. And takes his, his uh, girlfriend, who is also a lady of the evening, Alita, on a journey to obtain the head of Alfredo Garcia. Unbeknownst to El Jefe and the uh, other people looking for Alfredo Garcia, they are unaware that Alfredo Garcia is already dead, and that's the whole spark of the movie. It's one of those wanted dead or alive, but the, uh, the catch here is that our titular character is already dead. Not only that, we never see the head of Alfredo Garcia. The only thing we see is a picture of Alfredo Garcia in a locket.
2: And the picture is Oates. It is. <laughs> Which I didn't know.
1: But once you know that, it looks like him. It does. (laughs) And that kind of goes into the symbolism of the movie. um, Specifically that uh, Oates' character, Benny, ultimately decapitates the corpse of Alfredo Garcia. uh, And just a few scenes later... When wait, he's... wait, wait, wait.
2: He doesn't, he doesn't actually do it, though, does he? Doesn't he find that the head is there when he first finds him? It's after he's been knocked unconscious. Correct. Buried alive that the head goes missing.
1: Right. So he does do it himself. Yes, he does. Okay, go ahead. So he decapitates Alfredo Garcia, takes the head, is knocked out, and we'll get into this whole thing, but there's a symbolic scene where he's, um after... Crawling out of being buried alive and finding out his girlfriend is dead, we'll get into more d- in depth with this scene throughout the the podcast. But there is a scene where he's hunched over mourning, and all you see is his neck and shoulders and back. You, he's actually missing his head in one distinct shot. There's oh, wow. a there's a distinct shot where he's like this. And punched he over morning, and he looks headless. I think
2: I know, I think I remember that.
1: And, yes, so the only time we see Alfredo Garcia is Oates um, portraying Alfredo Garcia dressed up in a Spanish garb, and this journey is ultimately a death sentence for himself and for the, the love of his life, Alita. And by going into some of the symbolism here, um, he signs his own death warrant, pretty much. Really? Yes. Okay, We'll, we'll get into that, too. So, just briefly, Sam Peckinpah. So, I was mentioning to Andrew before this podcast that I was familiar with Sam Peckinpah before I ever saw a Sam Peckinpah movie. And I like to refer to this as cultural osmosis. <laughs> How you kind of become aware of something without actually having any direct reference to it. it happens a lot. It does. Hmm. And I'm trying to pinpoint where exactly I got this from. And I got to say, I, I have this image of of just... I don't know if it's talk around the video store or just people. Just, I'm not sure, but I remember something about a joke about, blah blah blah, as if it was directed by Sam Peckinpah, and that just meant that it was ultra violent, very bloody, very masculine, masculine, yeah. hyper masculinity. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was like Sam Peckinpah. Maybe it's just because of the. It's one of those names that you'll you won't forget Peckinpah because it's just kind of.
2: Well, I mean, I was surprised to find that I'd only seen one of his other movies, which is The Getaway. I have not seen The Wild Bunch. I haven't seen any of his other flicks. I've seen some of the flicks that he's been in because he is an actor and he's in a lot of movies. You don't know The Visiting, do you? I don't. Oh, wow, that's a trip. Anyway, he's in that. But, yeah, so he does, and I have, I mean, it is, I remember, I remember his name was on my mental periphery. Kind of like Pacula and Cassavetes, like amongst that crowd of like alpha male
1: directors. Independent, right? Yeah. So I've seen. I have not seen The Getaway. Um, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen and Ali
2: McGraw. Uh, good, really good movie. Uh, why? I was working at a video store when the remake came out with Alec Baldwin and say. Kim
1: Bassinger. I've seen that.
2: Okay. Well, I <laughs> that have, one I have seen. Okay, I have not. Okay. I have not. And for some reason. <laughs> It it its release led me to see the original, so I took home the original
1: and watched it. it was right. very impressed. You were you yeah. made a smart move. Yeah, know, uh, <laughs> no good, no bueno. The no. remake. Um, yeah, that's one of those. Um, Cause I, I I if memory serves, this was back when they were married. Yeah, I think so. So I think it was kind of a uh, it kind never vanity wo- project. It never it never seems to work very well. For married couples
0: to do those sorts of vanity
1: projects, or attached couples, see uh, Julie starring Ben Affleck and <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Well, Burton and Taylor did very well for a while, but they
2: also did very badly in some of those movies. True, as we'll get into at some point. We'll It'll do. We will do. Boom.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so enough about the getaway. Uh, the only other Sam, so Sam Peckinpah really got his start in the fifties and sixties. Uh, directing mainly Western TV shows. Uh, there was a great uh, kind of boom of Westerns happening at that time. So that's really where Peckinpah got his start. And then, of course, uh, he's probably best known for either The Wild Bunch or Straw Dogs. And Straw Dogs is... I've seen The Wild Bunch, and I've seen, obviously, Alfredo Garcia... I've seen the remake of The Getaway. I've seen Straw Dogs, and I think I've seen Convoy. Right, the, which was one of his last movies. Yeah. the Seventies. I saw that. So you did Things, see
2: it. Yeah, I mean, he was—he made a couple good flicks. It looks like after uh, the head of 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 Andy Garcia, the head of of um, uh, Fredo Garcia. Uh, no offense, Andy Garcia. But anyway, it looked like he made a couple good flicks, and then he made this one that
0: you just mentioned, Convoy. Yeah, yeah. we we got a great big convoy. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Yeah, (laughs) do you you, make you?
1: Oh God! All right, I'll show it to you after. All right, (laughs) show it to you. It's hilarious. Okay, because it's one of those songs. Like I, it's again. I think my another reference. I think there's been Peck and Paul references made in The Simpsons. That I think. Oh, sure have gotten to me, but there's oh. definitely Convoy references oh. Oh boy, wow. that have been made in The Simpsons. Okay. Um, while we're talking about The Simpsons, let's briefly talk about what we just watched before this. Bring Me the Head of Charlie Brown, which I am going to include in the comments section of this podcast, is a three-minute uh, art school film made by uh, an artist who would go on to The Simpsons, but it it's a satire, a parody of Peck and Paul in general. Uh, specifically, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia, which is the the plot for this brief cartoon. But check it's it out; it's funny. A, it's,
2: it's a Peanuts massacre. It's not as it
1: funny. It's horrible.
2: I'm ah, scarred.
1: It all depends on your the, view.
2: I love the Peanuts. They're so, the only ones. They're the only comic strip or cartoon that I actually have, you know, no issues with. What about know? Marmaduke? Marmaduke's okay. All right. (laughs) But I love... I mean, I loved... I had the, like, complete, you know, book of the Peanuts when I was a child. So they have a very special place in my heart. And they get get literally massacred here. Yeah.
1: So uh, if you're... Okay, if you're, if, you're, if you're okay with watching the Peanuts get massacred, I highly recommend it, and it will be included in the comments for this <laughs> podcast. So after the commercial failure of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Sam Peckinpah decided to move down to Mexico and, shoot, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. Now, real quick, I need to read this quote. This is the
2: be- best time as any to read this quote, and apparently... Okay, so this is this is off IMDb. The film went into production in late 1973. In an October issue of Variety magazine, Sam Peckinpah was quoted as saying, For me, Hollywood no longer exists. It's past history. I've decided to stay in Mexico because I believe I can make my pictures with greater freedom from here. This upset the motion picture and television unions, and they openly censured the director for his statement at their national conference in Detroit. They also threatened Alfredo Garcia with union boycotts upon its release, labeling it a runaway production. In his defense, Peckinpah claimed that he was misquoted, probably wasn't. I mean, why wouldn't he say that? Before the film was to be released, the unions relented and their boycott the, relented on their boycott threat. However, it still stands to question exactly how what kind of approach this movie was given in terms of publicity and release. It might have been buried a little bit. to you know, t- Because it, it certainly it made, what, half of its
1: budget. Right. And this wasn't a major motion picture. Release. When it, it was not a major studio that released this. It
2: became a true cult movie over it did. time. Um, I
1: mean, it it must have had midnight showings. It so must have. Martin Baum, the producer, uh, formed his own production company, had a deal with United Artists, which is kind of... Mid-tier, it's not Universal, it's okay. not Warner Brothers. Okay. United Artists is probably, I would say, mid-tier releasing. Okay. So you're not going to get as much promotion, you're not going to get as many ads, you're not going to get as many trailers. Okay. So, this was kind of like, this was very independent and very personal for Peck and Paw and he was very upset very disillusioned from the whole hollywood scene and so in this movie this was a cathartic way of him working out his anger and his frustration of of the hollywood scene through this movie through benny specifically yeah, yeah. and specifically through the scenes there are two scenes where Benny goes to meet with uh, Robert Weber, Gig Young. Well, actually, the second time they're dead. But he goes, there's two scenes where he goes to a hotel, and it's it's supposed to be a mere representation of Peck and Paw as Benny meeting Hollywood producers. Oh, sure. And then yep. the second time around. Sh- yeah. Literally shooting yeah, and, killing them, them, and, and, kill, and killing them. And killing them. I didn't get that. But, so, but that makes total sense. Yes. This was a yeah. way of him working out all his anger, all his frustration um, at the system that he had. And it's also interesting to note that the character of Benny, uh, you know, is somewhat. There's some autobiographical. Choices in Benny um, through uh, from Peckinpah into Benny's character to actually the, the um, up to the physical appearance of Benny as portrayed by Warren Oates,
2: who basically based his character on Sam Peckinpah, correct? Especially the physicality of it, the, the aesthetic of it, down to the sunglasses which he wore. Up. Those are Sam Peckinpah's sunglasses Those, that he wears through the whole movie. You're right. The he hardly El- ever takes them off.
1: The Elton John sunglasses. Yeah, right. And his name's Benny. Ha! And so, and maybe it was a, a self-deprecating kind of thing, but... I'm not sure about Peckinpah, but the character of Benny has a vision of himself... And I, a vision of himself that seems to be much cooler and much more put together than his character actually plays out as. And when I say that, he wears some very interesting clothing choices in the beginning of the movie, which, with the clip-on tie and, like, the goofy... Yeah. It's almost like someone trying to be, like, cooler than they actually are. Yeah. And he kind of puts on this persona because... He, it is mentioned offhandedly that he did have some time in the army but this whole mission that he's on which what it becomes is he tries to, he he becomes like a reluctant action hero mm-hmm. but not until the very end does he really kind of get to um to show that and
2: so he's going from someone trying to be cool to someone who becomes truly cool, but you have to go through so much to become totally right. really cool. So And he's got this... Yeah, go on.
1: I was just going to say, this. the this, um, this story is very much of a, an odyssey into self-destruction.
2: Yeah, sure you can look at it that way. There is an element of redemption going on though as well. Um in terms of his of his motive his ethical motivations, there's a huge switch. There is a huge yeah, switch.
1: Yeah. Um but speaking of revenge, I I think this is this is a pretty dirty and grimy I loved it. Vision of revenge. Yeah. Well what what's not? I guess if you're doing it dynasty style. And I (laughs) this was a comment that that, um that someone had made about the movie. Um if you see a Schwarzenegger or an Eastwood movie that has revenge in it, it's a very glorified and almost justified reason for revenge. Sure. But in this case, Benny brings this upon himself. He's offered a certain amount of money initially to find the head of Alfredo Garcia, or just even information leading to the, to the head of Alfredo Garcia. But he dreams bigger. He wants more money. He wants this, this life now with Alita. And the whole time that he's pursuing the head, she doesn't know the full extent of it at first. She knows that Alfredo Garcia is deceased. She knows where he is buried. Now, she,
2: she had a thing with Alfredo Garcia, and she has feelings for Alfredo Garcia. Let's start with that, too. True, because yes. This, just this, and so her emotional state compounds from then, from there. Right. And it Compounds itself.
1: Throughout the course of the movie, the throughout the the first two thirds of this movie, she is constantly trying to get Benny just to let it go. She says that we could, we don't. It's yeah. Go ahead. He's hell bent on getting this money because he thinks there's no future for the two of them. Without this money. Right. He actually says that Alfredo Garcia is the patron saint of their money. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he uh, says that.
1: Yeah. And she,
2: she sees digging up a grave and beheading the corpse as desecration. And, of course, she's right. So she's very uh, torn up. She's very much in conflict about that as well. So that's, um, that's in addition to her feelings about uh, Alfredo Garcia and, and having lost him now. Benny, oh. who she also has feelings for, wants she's in, to,
1: she she loves him. She's she in she love does, with him. She
2: does. She does. She, she does. She. And, but I mean, he wants to now dig up Garcia and and you know cu- decapitate the corpse. So she's really dealing with that uh, inner struggle, that that ethical struggle within herself. Right. So there, that's another element, another layer, and the layers keep building with her emotionally. And she handles all her as an actress. She handle, handles it all extremely well. Her psychological authenticity in this movie is almost alarming in its in its authenticity. It is. It's just like radical, like you. Once again, like what we were talking about with Zora Lampert and Let's Scare Jessica to Death, it's the type of performance where
1: you just don't even see acting. You see someone very real and very raw. She's. She get her performance is remarkable. Yeah and she
2: and was it's the center point it's the it's definitely the, the emotional centerpiece of the movie
1: yes definitely this yeah. movie is entirely driven by women it starts out with a woman impregnated by alfredo garcia right yep benny is driven by this motivation that i think he's coming to terms with the fact that he
2: does love her.
1: That he does love her. Yeah. There's and a
2: love story going on here. It's a, a beautiful ver-
1: it's, love story. It is. It's a, It's, And it's no doubt that she was nominated for an Ariel Award, which I'm guessing is kind of like the Mexico equivalent of the Academy Awards. Okay. She was nominated for an Ariel Award for Best Actress. Right, I saw that. Her performance is just Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about some of the harder scenes that she had to to film. But let's not underestimate Warren Oates's <laughs> performance here. I mean it's the 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 line
2: between uh absurdity and um real gritty just real grit, I'll just say that much. He walks it beautifully. Back and forth. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of sum, simultaneous. You see this uh, gritty anti-hero going deeper and deeper into uh, hell, <laughs> basically. Um, and at the same time, it's this, it's this, the lounge lizard aspect of his character is never gone. It's always there. And I remember, I remember, in the middle of the movie, I turned to you and I was just like, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Columbo in this movie. And so we found out later, both of us, that actually Peter Falk was pursued to do this role. Correct. And turned it down to do another season of Columbo.
1: I, actually, I guess I that's think, what that reportedly. I think he actually wanted to do it, but he couldn't because contract. of Columbo. Because of Columbo. And uh, Peckinpah said that he had written it uh, specifically for. Either Warren Oates or Peter Falk. Falk. Okay. Uh, He he had worked previously with Warren Oates. Well, Warren
2: Uh, Oates is terrific, and I'm glad it's him and and not Peter Falk, because Peter Falk is so associated with his television persona. Uh, And I didn't really know who Warren Oates was. Uh, So it was very refreshing
1: seeing him, uh, you know, seeing this. So this is... So Peckinpah... And it's interesting that the only other movie that you've seen of his is The Getaway because it's a very interesting approach to cast your leading man as not, like, the handsome Hollywood boy. Sure. Like Steve McQueen. Sure. Steve McQueen is a pretty boy. He's very handsome. Yes. You put him in a movie like The Getaway. Yes. You go away from Hollywood because you want to make the movie that you make you cast someone like Warren Oates. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it's not that Warren Oates, oh, Warren Oates isn't handsome, but he's definitely your average Joe, especially the way that he, his acting style is, is kind of enforces the, that as well.
1: With the Elton John glasses, <laughs> and like, like you said, like the the lounge singer do, kind of vibe. Do you
2: think that was really him playing the piano and singing? I at have the beginning? no idea. I think I've, it was dubbed. I think both I his think it was voice dubbed.
1: and piano playing are dubbed. Um, but you know that he's not. He's not like your typical Hollywood pretty boy, no. um, and to a lesser extent, he did this. Um, well, not that it, with Straw Dogs, he cast Dustin Hoffman as the lead.
2: Another like anti movie star, like an a- yeah. anti,
1: not handsome, right. not an action hero. But in Straw Dogs, he, you know, that that last the finale of Straw Dogs is is just repressed violence Coming unleashed oh, wow. um but that's very similar to the character here that we have with Benny yeah um we have like i said it's it's mention, mentioned offhandedly that he does have some army experience but we're not given bef- prior to like when the the violence really starts we're not given any indication that this guy has any grasp of marksmanship or hand to hand combat it's it's very i don't know it's almost like he wills this violence out of himself it does
2: seem that way and it and and you go with it at least i went with it when i'm watching the movie it, i didn't think to myself oh wow all of a sudden he's an expert marksman although i probably should have thought that to myself but it comes out of such uh, virulence? Am I saying that, that word correctly? It comes out of such pent-up uh, anger that I know that for myself, uh, whenever I've been extremely angry and I've had to channel it into something that I'm doing, I can, perfor- I can perform beyond my, uh, beyond my capabilities. Like, I do become extremely focused and good at whatever it is that I'm doing. So I could see that happening with a, with a gun, you know, if you're, like, put in a position, you're just, like, you've got it all planned out, like, I'm going to kill all these guys. Right. Like, you plan it out. Him first, him first, him first, him last. You know, bam, 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 bam. And that's basically what I think is going on in his head once he, once he cracks and he starts, his mission becomes a mission of revenge.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we have a, a um, we have a man here on a mission. And his, um, his intentions, his motivation changes. Yeah. I, you know, when he starts out on this journey, he's thinking that it's going to be, you know, and he has no misgivings or hesitations or reservations about actually bringing someone the head of Alfredo Garcia uh, he has a great quote that he says: "There's nothing sacred about a hole in the ground, <laughs> or the person that's buried in it." <laughs> so, you know, he's he's a man driven by a dream of of having something more. Um, and just th-
2: to clarify, the the. This, the reward for his bounty hunting mission is $10,000. But the, <laughs> the in-between guys are getting a million Right.
1: for this. A million dollars. So he, he, he kind of pieces this together that somebody very wealthy wants this man's head. And there's more money to be had than what's being offered to him you know he's initially offered i think 10000 for information leading to the head and he manages to get, like, 200 just for traveling expenses out of them. $200. Yeah, Yeah. for traveling expenses. That's all they give him. And then they threaten him and said that if we don't hear back from you in four days, we're coming for you.
2: Yeah, and they're, they're, he's basically being followed from the get-go anyway.
1: Yes, we have what, what I dubbed the Mexican Blues Brothers <laughs> at first following him. Because uh, they're driving. <laughs> we had these two guys in sunglasses driving around following him. And they, they jump him at the grave. Yep. They finally get to the grave. He finally...
2: He goes there in the middle of the night to dig it up with... Um, what's her character's name again? Alita. Al- Alita. Alita. Got it. With Alita. She, she joins him. And
1: they... They dig up the grave together, but when it comes time for the decapitation, she leaves. That's right. She walks away. can't. She can't be... Yeah. She doesn't want to be a part of it, and she actually, at one point, asks, do you really want me to be a part of this? Yeah. And I think he says something to the extent of, you are a part of this. Um,
2: She's... Just because, I guess, because of her affiliation to Alfredo Garcia to begin with.
1: He knows that the only person that's going to be able to find this, uh, where he's buried, now that he finds out that Alfredo Garcia is dead, um, is her. And... But we have. We have the love story developing throughout their little journey of traveling from one town to another to find out, you know, where exactly um, Alfredo Garcia is buried, and we have these these beautiful scenes of them in the car talking, and then we have scenes where they take a break from driving and they're they're just under a tree, talking, and they they talk about love and they talk about marriage and she's asking him why he can't say the words i love you Hmm. um stuff like that and Mm -hmm. do do you know we should uh, she's talking about marriage and um she has a different vision of their future together than he does Mm -hmm. her her vision of the future does not involve lots of money no it just involves the two of them she
2: yeah
1: she's had she would be happy just the two of them yep it's not enough for him.
2: Yep. Now I also read that uh, during that scene where they're at that tree, uh, they improved after the take was over about the marriage thing, where she keeps um, in character, she keeps kind of needling him about marriage, and he finally breaks down and gives in. Apparently, that was improved. Wow. Apparently. Yeah. So,
1: talking about improv, let's let's talk about one of the more confusing scenes. Mm-hmm of this movie Mm -hmm. now if anyone's seen straw dogs and i'm not i'm not familiar with the, the other peckinpah movies but uh apparently he's no stranger to rape scenes and straw dogs has a very intense uh rape sequence in it we're given which so benny and alita have decided that they want to sleep under the stars and it's it's very romantic and um he's playing guitar and he can't play guitar and she's singing and she's she's cooked them dinner and we have these two bikers show up one of which is portrayed by Chris Kristofferson the other was portrayed by I don't remember the actor's name but I do know that he was the keyboard player Chris Christopherson's band at the time. Oh, okay. So we have these two bikers show up and it becomes apparent that they have very uh, ill intentions for the two of them. And it it culminates with Chris Christopherson's character taking Alita away and into the into the hills into the hills and this was originally scripted to be a straightforward rape scene now that's not what we get in this movie we get a very <sighs> it's confusing ambiguous it's well, that ambiguous seems
2: to be the word of the day for this movie
1: but it's also confusing mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. when you watch it mm-hmm. because their actions she's she's a lady of the evening she, she knows the deal with dudes with guys with guys she yeah. knows what's up and actually when she's being taken away she says i i've been here before it, i know it, the way i know the you way you do not you do not and that this is a reference to benny she knows what's up. She knows what's about to happen. And she's doing this... She's going willingly, I think, because she wants to protect Benny. Yeah. She thinks that, okay, this is this is something that has... This is going to happen. Yeah. They have guns. Yeah. They're, this is going to happen regardless. Now, if we fight back, or if I resist one of us is going to... One or both of us is going to get hurt or killed. Yep. So... We get them... They walk off into the hills. And then... He cuts her dress. Removes her top. Exposes her breasts. And then walks away. After being slapped... Well, she slaps him several times. And then... Does he ever slap her back? I probably, I don't know. There's there's a great deal. I don't
2: of, I don't think he does. I don't think he
1: does. Yeah. I I think that the only time a woman is actually hit in this movie was in the opening bar scene oh, by right. by one of the um right. one of the hitmen. Right. Which we'll get that's, into their their ambiguous behavior. That's uh,
2: almost a hilarious scene where he just like knocks over this woman unconscious in the bar and just to show us how bad they really are, right? The, the machismo, you're the rest of, yeah, they're right. Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and the rest of the bar decides that they're just not going to do anything, right? Uh, because these two guys are such badasses, and also because these two they guys prob- who
1: might actually be having a gay
2: relationship. And, well, and also <laughs> because
1: this this kind of thing probably happens at this bar quite often. I would imagine. Really? I would. I could see that happening. Okay, but I mean, still, like if you've got a, two Americans coming in and doing it, it's
2: a different story. Right, knocking out a girl in the bar. Yeah. She's, she's, she just lays there.
1: Yeah. And then they People pick like her up and collect her. Anyway, back to the rape. T- <laughs> well, rape never happens. I
2: know. I know. So he does walk away. Chris Christopherson walks away. Um, what's our beautiful actress's name?
1: Isella Vega. Zella? Isella. Isella.
2: Izella. And then what's her character's name again? Alita. Alita Isella. Alita Isela. Let's see if I can get that right. So uh, Chris Christopherson walks away from Zella and goes and just, <laughs> he just like meanders over into a gr- grassy area and just sits. And I don't know what, like, picks she, his teeth with a straw or something. Yeah. And then she comes to him. There is there is subtext going on. See, this is the thing. whether, Whether it's actually even fully realized it there is something that is making them do what they do and and we i mean as an actor in improv like we've learned that there's no right or wrong you just do it you know and you just you go where your gut goes so i have a feeling that's what they were doing with here she has such honesty with what she does that there is something in her that seems to be reaching out to him um she Perhaps, does. Well, wait, let, me, let me finish this thought. This thought, where she's, it's almost like the victim identifies the the inner suffering of the perpetrator. There might, and, and you know, I don't think I'm reading too much into it to kind of speculate that. Um, so she's finding empathy, or sympathy, or understanding, or consolation for him. Uh so there is this moment of real honesty, and when Benny does knock out the other guy and goes and finds these two, they're actually making out. They're actually having a very tender kiss, Christopherson and our beautiful lady.
1: Yes, go on. but prior to this kiss, she does um, she doesn't bother to cover up no she walks right up to him and she says, "Please don't right, please don't." But then he, he there's no wor- other words spoken between them. He reaches up and starts playing with their hair. And actually, I think we rewatched it to see who kissed c- who first. It's almost like they just, both. it's like one of those things when you just you're like, I after think a she- date or something, you just know that this is gonna happen, kind of thing. It's yeah. almost like an, inv- well, it's almost inevitable that it it was going to t- to happen. And I think she's trying to defuse the situation. Or well, maybe
2: she's turning it into something that's actually meaningful by offering a kiss.
1: Or also, if she's if she's been in this position before, if if I make it more romantic, I make it more sensual. It's not going to be a rough, violent rape. That could be. And being being that she she. Does have experience being a, a prostitute. I'm sure that she's been in situations very similar to this, where
2: well, she's had to navigate a potentially violent
1: man, right,
2: uh, through um, um, through a sexual act,
1: right. Yeah. So I think she's kind of diffusing the situation by making it. If she, I think that she knows, like, if she makes it more romantic, it's not going to be painful and violent
2: sure and i and i think there could easily be that going on but the thing is there's her um uh her her desire and her effort to really connect on a deep level with him almost undermines that strategy uh to in my opinion I'm not saying that that could be a motivate not that that's not a motivation or that couldn't be a motivation but there also seems to be something I don't know very very human a very human connection that she's trying to establish with 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 him with Chris Kristofferson. So, all right. So, I mean, is this a case where perhaps the improvisation and the improv with that actual scene takes it into a different direction that it shouldn't in terms of honoring the whole bigger picture of the plot in the movie, um, it's possible. It's possible that something was established between those two characters within that scene um, that would throw off balance uh, the the purpose of that scene uh, in regards to the rest of the movie. However, it doesn't. It doesn't really. No. Like, I mean, he does end up killing them both. Um, and that is when things start getting really, really dicey for both of them. But uh, but it still feels... I mean, I, it... I want to say it still feels justified, but it's almost like
1: now it's a mishap in a way. So it's a couple things that I want to okay. mention. Um, so... Prior to this scene being filmed, it was scripted as being a straightforward uh, rape scene. Yeah. Christopherson arrived on set the the day before that this scene was shot, and he was shown dailies of the scenes that they had done that day. And the dailies were all of this very tender scene between Benny and Alita under the tree talking. And so he watched and rewatched this scene between the two of them. And I think that probably had something to do with him going kind of off script and
0: improvising with this. Th- it's like
2: he's infatuated with her. It's like he really seems to honor her as an actress and as a woman. But I mean, as an actor, I mean, if I were watching that and I was aware of what my purpose in the next scene would be, I would, I would venture, I would, I mean, I don't know, but I would probably venture to really make it authentically violent and um, and 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 kind of hideous, just to kind of. Create that diametric, you know, the, that polarity between the two scenes, and to actually, you know, you got to deliver the goods. Right. Like it's a rape scene, and it's written, it's put in the script for a reason. You know, this is supposed to be a traumatizing, you know, another traumatizing experience. You know, right. for these for these characters,
1: which is why this scene becomes so confusing to yeah. me. It's, and
2: almost seems like a mishap when he—it's not a mishap. He wants to kill them, but it's
1: like, did you have to kill them now? So, if you simply. St- Started watching. From this, from the kissing moment on, they're they're embraced and they're kissing passionately. All of a sudden, Benny comes out and he's almost intruding on them. Yeah, yeah. It's so like and so and
2: so. All, and maybe he's <laughs> all, maybe and maybe then. His character is like, what the what the hell? You guys actually are enjoying each other's. No, yeah, (laughs) and And he's got to go.
1: Bam! Now he's (laughs) now this is an insult to his masculinity. It's an (laughs) insult to his sexuality. It's an insult to him as a as a man. Yeah, because he's realizing how much he loves her. Yeah, and I think he almost would have been happier if like it was an, an intense. Yeah like coming then he across would really
2: feel justified then he would really
1: him. feel justified in doing so yeah but it that's why it's confusing because then like the whole context and motivations it leaves you wondering like where where is this supposed to be going it it does
2: have the feeling after the scene is over that it's been a mishap where people have died that it wasn't really done in self defense,
1: right? And and then the aftermath. So the aftermath of this is that we're shown that Benny can and will do anything at this point, because prior to this, it's you're almost. It's almost like is he going to get is she going to be able to talk him out of this? Right. At this point, this is the point of no return now. Yeah. He's he's killed two people. Yeah. And the aftermath for her I think is not as emotionally powerful because there is no rape. Well, but it's, it's a sexual but it's, it's a sexual assault, but it's almost
2: it's almost, okay, right, sure, I get, right. But it's almost more complicated because two people have died. So now she's dealing with the psychology of that. She's dealing with that. Um, and she, it's and they've been killed by him and it could have been avoided. So I feel like that's what she's kind of carrying uh, mentally with her after that scene. I do feel, you know, I feel like she's got the bases covered and she's still psychologically authentic in her portrayal you know no do yeah, i think so and but we, you're right it does it's not going it's not going to be like i've just been raped i've just been violated right. i've just been assaulted you know that's that's not really part of the that's not really part of the context
1: now. no so so it's interesting going back because the scenes immediately after this are very emotional between the two of them it's
2: in the shower right yes yeah. first
1: they're they're talking in the car and she's saying, "Well, I'll tell everything to the police. I'll tell everyone what happened." He goes, "No, no police. No one's going to know what happened. Like we, we need to stay on course." And then they they um then they get a hotel room. And and she takes a shower. And she takes a, She's sitting in the shower. And he thinks there's
2: no one in the shower because the you don't hear the the water rustling around. You just right. hear the shower falling onto the water. And, and he opens the shower curtain, and she's sitting.
1: And she's sitting in the
2: shower. Yeah, which is a very, very poignant moment. I was, I was telling Chris, like, yeah, I've had moments like, I mean, we all have. Or it's like, right? Sh- well, I'm in the shower now. I'm alone. I can actually let it all out. And she's just, like, like washing the. It doesn't matter if you cry.
1: And it's she's all water. washing this off of her. But keep in mind that these scenes were scripted, having been after a rape. Right. So I think the so the emotional toll is almost she's responding as someone that's just been raped. Is it, she? It seems to me. Is that how
2: she's directed and is that what she was I'm not doing? sure if
1: that's how she's directed but that's how I saw her as. I think I mean I had to put pieces together.
2: I was like, "Okay, well she was in love with Alfredo Garcia. He's going to his corpse is going to be like dug up and decapitated. Now my my lover who I want to marry uh just shot these two guys. I had this situation under control." Right. Um, is he going to marry me? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, that's how I had to look at what she was going. And
1: through. I see that, but I also see, I also see it as, it's almost a little too much, because I'm thinking, this is a girl. Th- this is a girl who's a, a, a prostitute. She's, I don't want to, you know, I'm. I'm Theorizing here on a fictional character, but I I, I tend to think that prostitutes probably g- get raped quite often.
2: Sure, uh, well, at least I in mean, fantasies, it's, but, in a fantasy yeah, situation. But let's just
1: say. But I'm just saying that if you're going, she's putting herself in very vulnerable situations. That it's very. Uh, it's.
2: I'm she's sure more likely. I'm sure a Mexican woman of the night has had
0: from the 70s Yeah. who's has not raped.
2: has been i mean i mean i'm saying that so authoritatively i don't but really i'm just know. saying but like but...
1: so this is where i'm going with it. she's probably been at least sexually assaulted sure this this scene is yes two two men were shot in front of her but She has no real, she has a little bit of an emotional connection with the Chris Christopherson character, but other than that, she has no connection to this other guy. She's in love with Benny. She's she's going through with this to protect Benny. And in her mind, if she had gone through with it, she could have kind of saved the violence from happening. She could have prevented it.
2: I mean the way that the, it, it the way the scene ended up,
1: yes, right. And it
2: really doesn't. I mean, you've got a really good point. It really doesn't. It really doesn't fit in with what she's going through in the shower. There is there is a, a gap there.
1: Yeah, because- and I mean,
2: I want to blame Chris Christopherson. I want to be like, uh, <laughs> dude, why would you choose? You know, <laughs> why would you choose to make this scene and make it? You know, why turn it you- into something totally different?
1: Maybe he just. Oh, I'm going to, I, to be in a Sam Peckinpah movie. Great! Like I'll read the script when I get there because they're like, "Well, you have like two lines." He's like, "Alright, I'll just learn it when I get there." And maybe he gets on set and it's like, "Wait, uh, you didn't tell me I was a rapist." Oh, I don't come want- on. Oh, come on! But I mean, if you're an actor, you do
2: what's meant for the. I mean, this is this is this is my philosophy. Okay, you do what's meant for the movie. You serve. Sure. The, you know, you serve the or the play or whatever that you're in, you need to be, you, you need to be able to be the director's brushstroke yeah. for the okay. scene.
1: But I, I don't know. I mean, I okay. knew, initially you know knew Chris Christopherson as a musician than an actor.
2: He's, I mean, I don't know what his deal is with acting. I know he's hung out with Sam Shepard, so there's a school of acting going on there. Uh, he's in that, Convoy. A very, like, hyper-realistic <laughs> form of acting. He's a what? He's in Convoy. Oh my God! Well, he's he's done a lot of movies. Yes. He's done a lot of leading roles, actually. Yeah, movies. yeah. Uh, but wait, where was I going with that? So, <clears throat> I don't know. Just just that you know, just that like what what <laughs> you come in and like totally change a scene, and oh, that's that's what I was going to say. I had seen that scene before. I haven't told you this. Okay. I had seen it before. I think it's on YouTube, and for some reason. I ended up like seeing it and watching it. So I was aware of this scene when it came up in the movie. And there is a beauty to it. There is a, a, taken out of context, taken out of the film, it's kind of beautiful. It really is. It's beautifully shot, it's beautifully acted. But I mean, yeah, in terms of her emotional state in the following two scenes, actually in the car, she's still, I guess she's still processing it. She's in the shower and she's really processing it. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really. No.
1: That, that, and that was just my point. Okay. Um just done. But good. good. Well received. she 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 acts her ass off in this movie. Or it just gives a performance that is just um just
2: her her singing, I don't know if that's her voice. I think it is her voice. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah, her I'm pretty sure it is. Singing is beautiful. Everything about her is beautiful. This is someone This is someone that you know, anyone would want to spend the rest of their life with. For real. Like, she's just... She's a woman of salt. A woman of substance. Um, And everything she does is... It's like a force of nature. That's really how I feel. People say that about, like, Sophia Loren. That's how I feel about her.
1: Right. And... Let's... Let's talk about what happens to kick off the, the last third of this movie.
2: Okay. Oh, you mean her... Yeah, this is,
1: so this, wow, just wow, this, the scene, so before he can obtain the head of Alfredo Garcia, he is knocked on the head by a shovel, and there's a lot of rebirth in this movie, Um, and this is the most evident scene where he's literally crawls out of his, he's buried alive. They he crawls on, yeah go ahead he crawls out of this grave and he finds that not only was he buried but she was buried next to him and his reaction is almost how many stages of grief are there seven uh, seven or eight i think but he 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 runs the gamut between yeah. this scene and like the next Couple scenes of yeah. him mourning. He runs the gamut of the stages of grief. He plays it beautifully, and he's in
2: he's in denial for quite a while. He's
1: in denial.
2: The so corpse is right next to him, and he's trying to shake. Then her, he's then he's making
1: up. jokes. Right, he's laughing maniacally. Right. right. Um, uh, so
2: apparently, he was on shrooms. Yes, right. He was on psychedelic. Yes, he yeah. was on.
1: He was unsure how to play this scene. Yeah. So he decided to take psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. And for someone. On psychedelic mushrooms, he stays like, in character. I was gonna say he stays yeah, in character, and he's deli- the he, he's, he's, there. he's he, in that moment. He is. Yeah, I would never, I wouldn't have guessed no. for a second that he, there was any sort of. Especially, I could, I could see. I, I'm gonna be buried alive. Give me a shot. You know, I just want to loosen oh, up. Right, give me sure. a shot. Yeah. Give me a shot. Yeah. This is not the scene to be like. I mean, maybe like this just brought something out of him, but. He runs the gamut of, of grief Phil. and pain Yeah, There's, so well. He
2: really does. There's a lot in this movie... How shall I say this? There's a lot in this movie that feels, um, for lack of a better word, ritualistic, and I don't mean it in l- the, w- the conventional definition of the term, but it feels like getting together, making a movie... And almost making it into like a series of ceremonies, just to kind of heighten the heighten the effect of it for the people involved. Um, there I'm trying are... to think of an example, but just this whole I grave can... scene. This whole grave scene. It seems well, like I okay, can give you a couple of Yeah, go for
1: it. the The f- opening scene of this movie, I would say, is very formal and ritualistic. We open on the the young pregnant girl on the side of the river. Oh yeah, that's right. We see the the, the um, that's right. handmaiden or yeah. I mean her uh, saying that her father wants to see her then we see the two guards come. They're brought they bring her before her father where we have a room full of people. Family mostly, but also Fa- family well, and, our, and guards our,
2: and our hitmen are there. Aren't our they? hitmen
1: are there. That's right. Family. We have guards. I believe we have religious people there too. I think we have nuns. Yeah,
2: and maybe a priest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it is very ritualistic. She is. Her clothes are stripped off. Yeah. Her father demands to find out who the the father of her baby is. Yeah. So and then she doesn't she doesn't reveal the name until they break her finger.
2: Oh, is it her finger that they break? And you hear it snap. Yeah. Yeah. um I thought it was an arm. No. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yes, it, yes, and it's like it's as if the the normal. It's like ho- without ho- with Hollywood and all its fixings being removed from this from the equation, you're now doing basically guerrilla filmmaking in Mexico, and you are blurring the lines between uh, reality and fiction here. So it is. It's becoming almost like um, the living theater, the type of thing where it's like, uh, it's all real. We're just going to make it all real. That is kind of the feeling that you get with this movie. Like, every so
1: is, uh, yeah. So the opening of this movie now, going back to it, the shots, they're very, they're long shots. Yep. There's not a lot of quick cuts. Nope. And it's very formal. It's very arranged. And it isn't until we're given the titular "Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia." All of a sudden, it's like kinetic energy filmmaking. It's, we have a we have a crazy. montage of cars speeding off of this compound. Airplanes taking yeah. off because they have to they're going to explore all these countries yeah. to find this man. All of a sudden
2: we're thrown into the seventies fashions. Right. We're thrown into all of these different like locations, bars and, and hotel office. It's like now, crazy.
1: If you had only seen the opening, this could have been a nineteenth century. Like it's yeah. very Yeah. It's not modern and no. So but this apparently takes place in Spain
2: now <laughs>
1: as originally scripted el jefe was supposed to have been a Mexican crime lord okay but due to the fact that this was filmed in Mexico the you need to get approval from the Mexican censor board now their only comment on this movie that invol initially probably now that this was the scripted movie had to be approved by them. So this this had a rape scene in it. This has grave desecration. We have people getting shot. Lots of people families, getting shot. Blood families being taken out. families being killed. Their only comment, their only note was, it must be explicitly clear that El Jefe is not Mexican. <laughs> Now, as someone that has watched this movie three times, if I wasn't told that, I don't know how, like... I, I didn't mean, know. I all, didn't you know, know all either. The, all
2: those planes taking off and landing, it didn't mean shit to me.
1: And not only, <laughs> not only did you and I not know, but I listened to the, the commentary uh, on this DVD has four film historians. Two of them didn't know that either. <laughs> two of them were aware, and the other two were like, Really? Like it's not,
2: and, and I guess and the. I don't choose to see it that way. As far as I'm no, concerned, as, as far all as, it takes as place in Mexico, right? What's the point? Hopping on planes and going to Spain, right? What?
1: So, so I guess those those plane shots were put in just to make it clear that okay, this is not Mexico <laughs> anymore because somebody had to take a flight. <laughs> so it's implied that it was another South American country, but according to I guess they changed it in the script that he was from Spain, just to appease the censors. But God bless Peckinpah, like he got it by me because if, if I didn't, wasn't told by someone and this was told, one of the, um, one of the people on the commentary was actually on set during production. So he was privy to a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So he's the one that brought it to the other three's attention. And yeah, they were all like, really? Like I didn't, (laughs) I missed that. And so I guess it was very easy to appease those, those censors those scenes it's so out of like it they're trapped in the past yeah, almost right well that's what we're dealing with i
2: mean you know symbolically speaking we're dealing with old patriarchy i mean that's that's kind of at the end of it all what the retaliation
1: is against you know right
2: in the yeah in the end
1: and then it's we're we're shot into 20th century with
2: all the other stuff right yeah all the bars all the
1: the hotels i
2: mean the, the the clothes the clothes the fashion just that alone oh man i could watch that forever i wish man see i lived in i was a child in the 70s so i do have some recollection of all of that and i would I would give anything to go back to it. It could be like 1970 to 1980 over and over again, and I'd be happy. But yeah, those... I mean, the stuff that you see people wearing and the stuff, you know, all the interior design of these modern locations in Mexico in the early 70s, that alone is
1: worth the price of admission, in
2: my opinion. So... Genius. Fabulous.
1: Now, I think there... This must have been a very conscious choice, but... Benny, throughout this movie, wears the same white suit. Yeah. Now, as the course of this journey goes on, this suit becomes dirtier yes. and dirtier. Yes. It I'm, becomes more soiled. I'm, there's bl- there's got to be mud, blood, blood, all sorts of things that it's just... And then he, he cleans it for the final... For one of the final scenes, but that it's remember
2: when he yes. goes back to the hotel, yeah. it's clean. Then he
1: got it. like... Well, how does he clean? He goes into the shower wearing the suit. What? <laughs> <laughs> I th- All,
2: right. All right, in my in my mind, he took it. He took it to get dry cleaned after that because it would it wouldn't look that good. No, like it would look. Then it would just look, you know, like rinsed and wrinkled. <laughs> but when he shows up at the end in the right. hotel.
1: You know, to, but t- yeah, it's all so. there's a lot of th- that's that's a huge metaphor for just like his soul just becoming dirtier and corrupted. I think after she dies
2: and you said it yourself while we were watching it, you said this is he's a broken man from here on. Yes. Out. Yes, he, he is. is. He is. And his you motive- see him broken, broken until he starts, you know, he's still broken, but then he starts taking action. Right. He's like, oh, wow, what's he going to do? And you don't expect it. There, there's, and that's why I said that was very satisfying at the end. It turns into a revenge movie and he just goes all the way. He takes it to the limit and it's kind of like, why not? Take it all out. Just take it all out. You know, bring not, it all
1: to the ground. But not only is it a revenge movie, it becomes a buddy movie. He becomes like, he's talking to the head. <laughs> That's he's true. driving That's true. with the head. He offers the <laughs> it's head like a, a
2: drink. It's like a, it's like a road. It is. It's like it's a like, road. It's with like a him buddy the head of Alfredo Garcia. It, they become, <laughs> and he He's were, like and like right right after she dies. Like he's talking to the head. He's like, it's not worth it. Right. This isn't worth it. Having you here now he's and like, like getting getting the money for like, this is it's not worth it. I lost. I lost the one woman I loved.
1: It becomes this bizarre black comedy buddy movie. Yeah,
2: and the flies—all the—they fl- had a so, fly. Ex- they had like someone dealing with all the flies. But I the don't way.
1: know if that's true. From what I heard on the commentary, basically what they did was they filled a bag with meat. Yeah, and in a hundred degree weather in Mexico, that's gonna attract flies. That's
2: gonna stink, man. Imagine so, doing a scene with that. Ste- poor man. Warren
1: Oates is driving around yeah. in the car with a bag of meat. Yeah. Meat in the hot Mexican sun.
2: But it becomes... But all for all intents and purposes, it is a head, and you see it rolling around in the passenger oh, seat. Whole... Falling is... on the floor, he has to pick it up, talks to it some more. It's pretty funny.
1: So, and, it's like, and, and
2: and for the listener, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, the head is in a bag.
1: We don't know, see we, the head. We never yeah, see the head. Like right. we, we mentioned it earlier. The only time we actually see Alfredo Garcia is... In... It is in the uh, pendant. That's right. But it does. Now, this movie... <sighs> Peckinpah mixes extreme violence with some very black humor. We have a standoff. Between, so he just reobtained the head. He kills the the Mexican Blues Brothers, I'll call them. The men hired by, they were working for El Jefe to get the head. So he's got the head again. But Alfredo Garcia's family is now coming after him. There is a showdown. Between the family, and when I say family, I mean mom, grandpa, cousins. Like, we have this huge All range of, of ages. Like, we have, yeah, old, we have this old man who's got his hands up throughout the entire scene, the mom who is again, um, uh, um, women motivating this. They have desecrated her son's grave. Yeah. They have taken her son's head. Yeah. Now, she is not going to stand for this. No,
2: how can she? She has no choice but to, you know, stand. To retaliate. Yeah. 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 So we have this showdown. And then... And to mention who the, the other two are American uh, hitmen. Oh,
1: before we get to the American hitmen, yeah. I need to comment on the tour bus that drives oh, by. Right. So we have this... this very intense showdown about to take place. And then we get this moment of levity. where We have this tourist yeah. bus drive by. <laughs> and we have tourists waving at the window because they see like these, like a stereotypical <laughs> it
2: looks like a Mexican
1: peasant, Mexican peasant family on Cowboys the side of the road. Indians, yeah. Right. <laughs> so like he mixes like he, and he does it so well. Yeah. Like, and they, don't they wait for the bus to? Leave they do. They, they wait for the yes. Other? Yeah. And then we have Robert Weber and Gig Young show up again. Yep. And we've got uh, we got a Mexican standoff, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. We've Turns got into a shootout. We've got those two on the side of the road. We've got Benny stuck between them and this family, the Garcia family, mm-hmm. and. All hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. And
2: who's holding the head? The head is there. Someone's holding the head. Is it in the hands of the family? Or is I it... believe
1: it's in the hands of. Or is um, it in the
2: car? I. It doesn't matter. It's there. It's in the car. The gun.
1: The... It happens pretty fast. So then the fire. The the they start shooting. Who shoots first? That's a good question. Okay. I want to say. I want to say one of the American That's what I want businessmen, to Hitman, started shirting. That's how they started. They start it. Well, basically, Benny lets them in on what's going on. Okay, They're looking for the, uh, they're like, yeah, we're looking for the cutoff. And he's like, well, it's right here, but you're going to have to take it. Which is like a nod to them. Like, I got the head, but
2: they, his family's right yeah, here. you got them to.
1: So, wow. so like, he's got the... So he kind of tells them what's up. Like, this is what, yeah, I mean, that he says. And they're basically like, oh, well, we'll take care
2: of it and Yeah, Su- that shoots dead the whole family. Yeah. The whole ex- family, mom right. and all. Yep.
1: The only one that's left standing is the... That the one ol- guy. <laughs> The old man that's... Who stands there with the <laughs> entire gunfight with his hands up throughout the entire <laughs> scene until the very end. Like, the scene ends and he's still got his hands up in the air. He yeah. doesn't want, like... This is more than he barkin' for. And right. So we alluded to the ambiguously gay relationship between these two characters yes. which I is hinted at in the bar because I think the the girl that gets knocked out, she's rubbing his leg, but she's rubbing his leg next to yeah, in front of his boyfriend. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, if that's the case, if that's the yeah, case, yeah. but then we see the reaction when one of them gets killed.
2: Yeah, and the other one gets the he he, like, he doesn't have. And that's when and that's when Benny asks for the money. Right, and he's like, "I'll give you your pay," and he takes out his gun. Right, he's gonna shoot him, but
1: yeah. Benny beats him to the punch.
2: But yeah, he's definitely got feelings about because his the way he reacts is,
1: is not just like, "Oh, my business associate got right. killed." Right, this There's
2: something he more. He responds on. Yeah. like,
1: "You just shot my lover."
2: Yeah, now. Who, I wonder who came up with the idea that they might be uh, a gay couple? Robert uh, Robert Weber did. So the it was actor. his idea. It was his so, idea. Know, so I was going to mention, in To Catch a Thief, uh, Martin Landau plays James Mason's sidekick and like his his dirty work guy, and it was Martin Landau's idea to um, to give it like homosexual implications between the two of them, and. <laughs> And Hitchcock was fine with that. Hitchcock likes anything that's uh, not, you know, of the sexual norm. So, quote, unquote. So so later, but hold on, just later, later in time, after the movie was released and everything, years later, I think, someone came up to James Mason and said, So was that true, like, what Martin Landau put into that? Was that supposed to be, like, you know, a gay thing between the two characters? And James Mason was like, no! Right? (laughs) He was like, that was just his idea.
1: (laughs) But but Hitchcock incorporated that into rope.
2: Well, yeah, it's a very big part of rope.
1: And uh, Strangers on a Train. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and... um, Yeah.
2: So, but I mean, uh, in this case and to catch a thief I think it was Martin Lando's idea So going back to head of Alfredo Garcia looks like uh Robert um it was Robert Weber Weber thank you I used to know someone named Robert Speller. Robert Weber's idea to put that in and actually it's not a bad idea it kind no, of works with the two of them it, it does. adds
1: it adds an emotional core yeah that
2: and and it, so, and it gives you and it kind of once again, you've got some authenticity going on because here are two good-looking guys, uh, and doing you know traveling around doing business together. Um, it just kind of it, it it kind of stands to reason. Well, why wouldn't they be you know maybe more than just buddies?
1: Sure, I'm just saying, and maybe. It, so this movie, I, I face value. There's a lot going on here. There really is. There's it's a
2: constant surprise as you're watching the movie. It is. Because you feel like you're watching a grindhouse flick, but everything's very so substance and depth. Every you know every scene.
1: It's to not. The next, this movie was written off as mindless violence by a lot of critics when no. it was first released, and it's not. No, it is so not.
2: And, and and I'm surprised it doesn't have a novel source, a source from a book or anything. They came up with this idea on
1: their own. So, yes. This, this idea came to Frank Kowalski, who's credited with the story. He had this idea and he presented it to uh, Paul. He said, I've got this great idea for a title. Bring me the head of... And they didn't have a name yet. He just said, bring me the head of... <laughs> it's, 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 insert name here. Genius. I love it. I, and, you know, and then a he great said, idea. And then <laughs> Paul liked that. And then what really got him, he's like, but the hook is... This guy's already dead. Which is just genius. And then, so, so the original, the, the, um, this film was started, um, he was, he started writing it while making straw dogs. And, um, so the reception that this movie got, there's, there's so much to talk about. And so let's talk a little bit about... This movie was a commercial and critical failure.
2: (laughs) It just makes me love it even more.
1: (laughs) Now, it's worth noting that two... Two critics that did like it were Siskel and Ebert, who both gave it rave reviews. And it has since been included on Roger Ebert's Great Movies list. Now, if you go to RogerEbert.com or Ebert.com, he's got a... Well, up until his passing was an ever-expanding little part on his website entitled Great Movies. If you're ever looking for a movie to watch, I would recommend going to his great movies list, and you'll find something like this. Now, how do you become a cult film? Well, here's one way. You can be included, and I'm referring, of course, to Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, you can be included in both the 1978 book, the 50 worst (laughs) films of all time. I will repeat that. The 50 worst films of all time, but also be included in the uh, book 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. Now, if that doesn't show a split in the audience for this movie, I can't think of anything else. That's So this movie bombed at the box office. Other than Siskel and Ebert, the mainstream critics ripped it to shreds it has since undergone a critical reevaluation and an, an an appreciation of wow, this isn't mindless violence. This isn't a movie. But yes, is the title goofy? A little bit, but it's also like the best. Like I I just love it. Like yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. Now you know at the end. Um, remember when we were watching it and I was saying okay, he shot, uh the the. El, what's his name El Hefe. El Hefe. he shot him and all of his men and now he's going he's going to take the head back to the grave yes. that's what i thought he was going to do and that was originally that was the how original was supposed ending. to end, yes. instead of him being shot and killed in a show to, you know as he's leaving the house
1: it was um throughout the course of filming that peck and paul realized that no why benny benny had Penny has to die. Yeah. The, um, you can get the money or you can get the girl, but you can't get both.
2: Well, he doesn't get, what do you mean, get the girl?
1: I mean, that's kind of like, there was a, that's kind of the, the theme of some of his, uh, other movies, his westerns. Either you can, you get the girl or you get the money. You don't get both. Well,
2: okay. Well, he got, the girl dies and he, right. and he gets, remember, he, he takes the head and i'm thinking he's going to leave the money and then he, he turns around and goes back he and takes, takes the, money. the money
1: and they just they just they decided that no because there's there's nothing benny needs to die because there's there's nothing for him he he, he could have still he returned loved.
2: the head to the grave that yes that would have been a nice that would have know. been
1: that would have been what alita wanted
2: could, yeah that's right and then he could have been killed there
1: right you know theoretically but I kind of like the climax of this movie it's like because Bonnie
2: and Clyde. Well, the way it ends,
1: and I also think, <laughs> and I also think that Benny died because I think Benny getting away with the money is a Hollywood ending.
2: Yeah, it is. It and
1: is. this, this was this was Peck and Paw's anti-Hollywood movie.
2: And in the character, in Benny's character, it does make sense that after it all to be like okay. I've done what I need to do, except for return the head to the grave. Um, I can go down in flames now. I don't care. He you doesn't know? care, even though he's got the he took the money with him. Yeah.
0: No,
1: he. Yeah,
2: I mean the way he bursts through those gates, like he's just it's it's um, you know, it's hell. It's.
1: Uh, I know. I think that hell, Ben. And and I I alluded to this earlier. This this path of self destruction that he goes down. Yeah. Um, well, he doesn't
2: care. Like he no, sees, he after, starts to after, see the bigger picture of it all, and he's just
1: like, "Fuck it." And then, so after he loses Alita, his motivation is not not necess- It is the money, but like I said, the motivations are changing. It's also to find who is Alfredo Garcia, because who he doesn't know this man. That has been responsible for the death of the of his, of his lo- the lo- the death of the love of his life, and the death of all these people around him. Yeah, he wa- he he can't leave that unanswered. Right. He needs a reason why his love died. Yeah, that's what he that's he wants the money too. He that that aspect he he never loses, but. Since his dream of, of this new life with the leader that they were going to have with this money that they they, inherit, they made has been ripped away, he needs to know he needs to find out why. And he could have very easily taken the money at that second meeting in the hotel, taken the money that was offered, leave the head. But he, he he could
2: have taken the million dollars at the end of the house. Could, I was going to say that.
1: You know? Right. A million dollars. That's the thing. El Hefe. like, you almost think that, like, okay. It, so this leads to his motivation even more because, okay, it's not like he was backed into the corner. El Jefe had the money there yeah. for him.
2: Yeah.
1: He could have. Walked out. Walked out. But instead. Yeah. Instead, he is just so angry mm-hmm. that he's throwing blocks of ice on the desk. He's oh, like, right. you take a look at this. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. And then, when he's about to kill El Jefe, and he's pa- he's hesitating, I think he's hesitating, and it's it's the daughter. It's right. the daughter who is... Imp- who has now given birth to? It's actually the baby's baptism that that right. that Benny has walked in on to deliver the head so, of Alfredo. Um, but but when he's about to kill El Jefe. He's hesitating, and the daughter says, "Kill him, do it."
1: It's interesting too because we don't see like you don't you're not shown who she's saying kill him to.
2: Well, I thought she was saying it to Benny. I, I thought know. she says it directly she, to him. I thought that was a moment between the two of them.
1: I think it it, it must have been because he shoots him. Yeah. But the way that it's shot, like, until you see Benny's reaction, it could have gone either way, just like... But, now, it was clearly to Benny. I take that back. I think so. <laughs> it must have been because... I think so.
2: She sees him. She sees Benny as kind
1: of her. Well, her hero. You see... El Jefe has kind of come to terms with this whole thing since the beginning of the movie. He's very happy at this baptism. <laughs> now, it where the, is also... Where the, where
2: the father's head is now... Now like, that he's got the appearance. father's head, he's even better. Yeah. And,
1: but, like, now that I'm thinking back on it, the looks... I don't think his daughter says anything else other than kill him mm-hmm. in the, those scenes. But the look on her face, the, the acting that she does with her face shows that she's just, like, Distraught now, like I said, we're not really given any backstory about what happened with with her and Alfredo Garcia.
2: She might have been in love with him
1: she very well mm-hmm. might have been in and and,
2: and, that, and and once again, I gotta mention that the that that the picture that she carries around in her locket, her pendant is is actually is actually Benny is actually Oates. I mean, is actually... it's just so weird, you know all these different
1: right and yeah, so there's just so much. We could talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to start wrapping this okay. this up. But we have the baptism. We have rebirth. Um, we have birth, rebirth, and we also have a child's funeral. Now, we don't see the funeral, but oh, we see the funeral right. procession.
2: That's right, with a small what? little casket. Right. And you were saying it's either it's either a child or um, a midget. Or I, I think, a, little, a little person, I'm a sorry. A little person. <laughs> uh and I and I was thinking or an animal, but for all intents and purposes, it's probably a
0: child. It was a
1: child. Yeah, I yeah, was just making yeah, it a a yeah. bad bad joke. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yet yeah, there's just so, and so, yes, this has undergone critical reevaluation, which, thankfully, it has because which is one
2: of our 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 uh, prerequisites.
1: Yeah, our I mean, but like I said, to be now. I would love to read this 50 Worst Films of All Time book because... What else is in there, I wonder? Casablanca's probably in there with these... (laughs) Like, All right, maybe not Casablanca, but I'm just saying... When I think of a bad movie, I think of something that's incompetent. The plot doesn't make sense. Wooden acting. You can see the boom mic. It's clearly a set. Regardless of whether or not you think that this is mindless violence, this is a competently made movie, and it is beautifully shot. It is. It is it gorgeous. Is. I
2: mean, you see some, you see, you see snapshots of Mexico that real Mexico, absolutely, absolutely. There's no faking it here. There's not, and you know, it's like you're the extras must be locals. They, they are. To yes, be, you know, so you're seeing. You are. You're seeing. Authentic once again, uh, Mexican life, and it's it's exciting. It's refreshing. It is. It's not Hollywood at all, really. No, you feel
1: like this is
2: um, guerrilla filmmaking.
1: So, again, I I kind of want I I some the reviews for this. You read the, the original reviews for this. Other than like I said, the note the notable critics at the time. Other than Siskel and Ebert, they ripped this. They called it boring. Ah. They called it a, a horror film with because it was horrible. Like They just ah. made like all these illusions. No. There's you're gonna, not. And you know what?
2: You're going to see some incredible acting, especially with um, our actress who, who, whose character dies, uh, whose name I can't, I can't seem to. Alita. Thank you. Uh, that is some of the best acting I've seen in movies.
1: And Warren Oates.
2: And he's wonderful. He's terrific in it. Like I said, when he, he's... He really walks a tightrope between, uh, you know, comedy and drama.
1: He yeah. does it all so well. Like yeah. I said, he, he does, like... Throughout the course of, like, three scenes after Alita's death, we see, like, all the stages of grief. Yeah. We see them all.
2: Yeah, he's worked it out, Seen, scene by scene. He's worked it out, and it's pretty it's pr- pretty flawless.
1: It is. Yeah. And, and then like the this black humor of a buddy cop like not buddy cop a buddy a buddy road movie <laughs> except one of the characters is just a dead decapitated head in a bag the <laughs> it's
0: yeah, I don't,
2: and I don't usually like stuff like that. I don't really like mafia comedies. I don't really like mafia stuff in general. Um, I don't like stuff that, you know, that black comedies with, you know, death with dead corpses and stuff. But I mean, I, I, I ate this up with a spoon. because like, I thought it was just genius.
1: I really did. I loved it. Because it's unique. It's I nuts. Guess. Yeah, okay. And, um... Yeah, it's... I mean, Peckinpah has been an influential director to, to many modern filmmakers. Uh, I know that the Coen brothers based a lot of their cinematography for No Place for Old Men was based on this particular movie.
2: Okay, really? Uh,
1: Tarantino has, has cited Peckinpah as can, an influence. I can definitely see that. A lot of modern filmmakers credit Peckinpah
2: well, comparatively speaking, Tarantino's violence is mindless, in my opinion, to uh, the head of Andy Gar- of, of <laughs> poor Andy <laughs> I'm, Garcia. I'm so sorry, Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I don't th- I don't find the violence mindless at all, and not in the not in the no. context of what's what's going on. It, that's the
1: thing. We're the given characters. context. We're given motivation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. and so right this is this is what, they, what the what the cult film companions all about finding these movies similar to the underneath finding a like a peck and paw cult classic because you know he's best known for the wild bunch was nominated for academy awards so that doesn't qualify for our show and like a lot of his <laughs> westerns straw dogs maybe um uh, might be a cult film um way
2: might be, might be, but it's too mainstream. But then again, it's it, too mainstream. It's too mainstream yeah, and it was
1: remade, although yeah. Straw Dogs was remade, and don't even get me started on that remake because. It was, it's
2: just, is that James Marsden
1: yeah,
0: and it's Naomi
2: just, Watts? I, I mix, hope not. I'd <laughs> mix, mix it up with Reindeer Games. Okay. Uh,. Which I think was Charlie's a remake.
1: It was Charlize Theron.
2: Okay, what, in Straw
1: Dogs? No, or in Reindeer. I don't know. Okay, right, well, this was
2: Charlize and Naomi. The blondes start getting... Right, right, right. They oh. blur together to me, for me. But, but even at the end of uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, that is the whole point that Benny is making is that this was a lot of mindless killing and murder for, for this one person for this one... Right, yeah. I mean, he makes that... That's his point, basically. So for the critics to say that, I mean, that's the whole point that the main character of the movie is making at the end of the movie. Like, why did all these people have to die for this, for this one person? Right. You know? So...
1: Critics are shallow. <laughs> I guess... We'll, I would have to say in this case, uh, I, I don't get it. This this is if you again we're assuming that you've watched this movie um, because you know we just spoiled everything about it. But rewatch this movie is rewatchable just because you'll pick up on things that maybe you didn't recognize first time around.
2: I the, could watch it a hundred times. The, I really could. This was, I loved this. Movie. I
1: believe that this um, someone was um, on the commentary mentioned that this was the only Peck and Paul movie. To be reviewed by some uh, a modern art magazine who said that you take any still shot from this movie it it could be turned into a portrait it's a work of art yeah and the it is because you you get some it's so realistic yep. it's gritty yep. it's dirty, yeah, but it's real yep, and you are in mexico you fit yes you're
2: in it. This You're is not just observing. It's this just is like, not you know?
1: the um, the cleaned up Hollywood Mexico. No, this is they filmed in all practical locations, and when scouting locations, you know Peck and Paul went with his gut instinct, like he wanted because he traveled Mexico, so he knew these little towns, these little villages, these little just. Well, and and I was t- and I've said to
2: you that like it cracks me up that when they're having the picnic scene and talking about marriage, uh, it's it's at a tree that has been painted. What the 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 trunk has been painted white so cars won't run into it, I guess, and you know have an accident. Um, but they don't go off the road very far at all. They're on the road, still right. on the side of the road. Uh, at this tree, and they do get seen by the bl- the by the Blues Brothers guys, <laughs> uh, but that just cracked me up. I thought that was interesting. They don't go deep into the field or anything at all. They're no. there on the road, like at this tree that's painted white.
1: It's it's guerrilla filmmaking, just genius. Yeah. Um, so similar to the underneath this this is an underrated gem in uh, in Peck and Paw's filmography. So yeah, but, a couple yeah a couple little notes after the first public preview of this movie
2: <laughs> I know this
1: only 10 people were left in the theater
2: <laughs> I would have been one of those 10 I would have been
1: in one of those t- I absolutely just because I mean, but
2: can you just see people walking out of this movie? I wonder what, like, I could, see, <laughs> I can guess
1: any number of scenes that people would have walked out <laughs> of this movie. And I, I, I just would have been like, wow. I, I, I could see a lot of people walking out during the, uh, thinking it was going to turn into a rape scene. I could see a lot of people walking out. When she's when she's dead, um, because w- once she's dead, like you feel this palpable loss in the movie.
2: Yeah. And you're thinking right. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how am I going to watch the rest of this movie without her? Right. And it's not because I disliked the movie so much, but she was such a huge part of why I was loving it. But then he- the rest of the movie is basically a, a reaction to her death.
1: Right, so I mean, that, it's not, that worked for me. Her presence is felt throughout yes. the rest of the movie, even yes. though she's not there physically. Yes,
2: and her wisdom, her intelligence, the
1: loss of it, and how it it stayed with him. And then we have a beautiful scene where, when he gets back to his room, where he he's talking to a picture of her. That he has a a framed mm. picture of her next to next to next to That's his right. bed. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and and he's talking to her. Yeah. And he, and he's on. I think they're talking about like the things that they would have, the, the things yeah. that they were going to do. Yeah, and so it's the it's,
2: same room that earlier in the movie they're both rolling around uh, in the bed together. Oh, that scene is hilarious. It's
1: wonderful. We like, have like
2: everything between the two of them is wonderful.
1: The, that the, chemistry was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yes, mm-hmm. they felt it felt real. Mm-hmm. They. They joked around like lovers joke around mm-hmm. in bed. Mm-hmm. He snaps a towel on her ass. That's
2: right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Instead of... And so he knows... Uh, a very funny scene in the movie. Um, so he knows that she's a prostitute. So he's not at all a bit surprised that when he wakes up after a night of lovemaking with her that she's given him crabs. <laughs>
2: that's right I forgot about that is <laughs> you, he, hear him, you hear him you you like him picking, between his fingernails right and then he
1: <laughs> dumps tequila on his so I mean the mix I, I think this is something that Tarantino tries to do is to, he tries to to mix violence and humor for me he 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 doesn't do it well there. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> to me, I'm not a to, big fan. Yeah, and that'll probably upset some of you listeners. What we'll we'll get into Tarantino at Eventually, one point. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's good. Is there a cult movie? I know he, he's fashioned a lot of his movies. Oh, no, no, no. The, o- the only thing that I would like to cover on this is the uh, true romance, because he wrote oh, the right. screenplay. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, which other he than did the, not direct. No. Right. Which is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I think it's
2: my favorite, too, to tell it you it the is. truth. And I felt that way for years. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, you heard me correctly. Um, you can send me all the hate mail you want at cultfilmcompanion at gmail.com. <laughs> Follow us. <laughs> Tweet at me at, at the hashtag cultfilmcomp. Uh, tell me that I'm wrong and that Tarantino is a, is a genius and we can have an interesting and I'm sure we'll be polite discussion about why your opinion is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before I get too obnoxious, let's get...
2: I saw all those Tarantino films in the 90s. I saw all of them, and I, went, I asked myself, why? Well, why have I seen all of Tarantino's movies? I'm not a big... I'm not into it. But True Romance is a different story. That was one of my favorite movies for many years. And, and I look we look forward to covering that. We
1: will definitely do that on the yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Other than that... Tarantino, as much as he would like to be a cult filmmaker, way too mainstream now, buddy. And I think he loves it. Yeah. I think he loves it. He's laughing
2: all the way to the bank.
1: Absolutely. So, Andrew, um, yeah, time for some final thoughts here on Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. We could talk another, I mean, this is just one To. to watch and rewatch, and you'll pick up something new each time.
2: I mean, I'm trying to think of other movies that it reminds me of, and it doesn't really remind me of many other movies.
1: The at only all. thing that I mentioned to you is that um, the uh, there's a scene in a movie called uh, Sin City, directed by Robert Rodriguez, where a man is driving, talking to a dead man in his passenger seat, and I can only think of, um, bringing Penny. the head of. Alfredo Garcia, the. I mean, this movie has it all. It is, It's, it's got a beautiful love story, if you want that. It has got violence, if you want that. Although this movie is not nearly as. I mean, I remember the nickname for for Sam Peckinpah was "Bloody Sam." This movie's not the. That bloody—I mean, there there is violence. There's a lot of people getting shot, but like, it's not like the camera lingers on these bloody.
2: Yeah.
1: He's it, much it is, more. It's
2: he's not more like in blood feast. It's not like blood feast. It's not a gore fest.
1: No, and I just thought of something, and I need your opinion on this yeah. as, a, as a theater expert. Hamlet, talking to York. Benny talking to the head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. yeah. Am I am I co- completely yeah, off base no, I think here? Yeah, no,
2: you've got something there.
1: So I'm not. This, this is, is no, not just.
2: No, I think you've got something there.
1: That's mm-hmm. okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So th- this
2: movie. Now we've got Shakespearean overtones. <sighs> the, the and I'm and I I have no problem saying that with this movie, that there are Shakespeareal
1: overtones. It's a tragedy. Yeah. It is a tragedy at the mm-hmm. end. At its heart. You could say that it's a mindless revenge movie if you want, you'd be way off base. There's there I mean, at are the end layers of
2: Hamlet, everybody dies,
1: right? And there are layers upon layers in this beautiful movie. And I say beautiful, the score is beautiful. The cinematography is gorgeous. It's it's just one of those movies I I actually uh, I got the I bought this movie solely for this podcast and I'm very happy that I did yeah, because like so I said I. my only experience with Peck had been Straw Dogs and uh The Wild Bunch but wow is this is this a cult movie or what Yep yeah. um nailed it Does it belong in the 50 worst films of all time? I'm interested to reading what they said about this movie to to qualify it for that Does it belong on Ebert's great movies list? absolutely does it belong in a thousand and one movies to see before you die no question (laughs) so thank you so much for joining us again on the cult film companion podcast we had a blast with this movie this one you can watch and watch again extraordinary performances beautiful cinematography great music layers upon layers of story If you take it at face value, you're missing out on so much emotional death going on here. And you could watch and rewatch the sexual... It's not a rape scene. The sexual assault scene and confuse yourself trying to figure out what the motivations are. Because it's just... Like I said, they went off script and it kind of made things weird. But we already talked about that. So we've talked enough about this movie. But thank you so much. We are on Facebook at the Cult Film Companion Facebook group page. Join us there. Comment. Post movies that you love. Cult movies that you love there. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up with emails, suggestions, criticisms, all that good stuff. I think we've said all we need to say about uh, Andy Garcia. (laughs) Poor, poor Andy Garcia. Bring me the head
2: of Andy Garcia. Some, I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't mean I have nothing against Andy
1: Garcia. <laughs> uh, bring me a plate of chicken alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: right. I mean, it's hilarious. Seriously, that's what it sounds like. I mean, I mean when, you know, <laughs> right.
1: Uh, there is also if you are, you, so there is. Bring me the head of Charlie Brown, which I will be sure to to link up all over our social media check that out uh if you're interested there the band iron prostate wrote a song <laughs> called bring me the head of jerry garcia oh, which gosh. i've uh, i was going to listen to but i don't know iron prostates and jerry garcia <laughs> uh just, i have better ways that i can waste my time uh and I probably, maybe it's just work of genius, so maybe I should just shut up. Signing off for the Cold Film Companion podcast. Again, my name is Chris. Andrew, any last words? No, over and out.